Today's episode is presented by Lodestar, the fee experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'm Elena, and thank you for joining us this week. I have Steve Sussman, who's the Chief Business Development Officer and owner at NAN, um, who has recently partnered with Lodestar to become our nationwide appraisal network. So thank you so much um, to be uh, for both partnering with us and being here with us today, Steve. Thanks, Elena. Great to be here. Awesome. So we're going to just ju- go ahead and jump right into it. So your primary background is in sales. Um, how did you fall into the AMC world? Not a, not something I really saw coming. Uh, mm-hmm. I was director of sales at HSN, the Home Shopping Network. Uh, I was there for 14 years. And the company was acquired by a rival shopping network. And I'll tell you, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I was asked to relocate to stay with the company, but it was going to be in a suburb of Philadelphia. And my wife was born and raised here in Florida. She does not like the cold. And I think I made the good decision that I'd rather stay married than stay employed. So I started looking for new opportunities. And I wound up meeting Joni Pilgrim, who is NAN's CEO and one of its two two founding partners. Um, And honestly, it was the first time I ever heard the term appraisal management company. I had bought and sold a few properties and I've had appraisals, but had no idea even what an AMC was. In talking to Joni, though, she shared the incredible history of the company, um, talking about how, how she and Carrie had started literally in a garage, unair conditioned in Florida, by the way, um, and managed to grow this company into really a highly regarded national organization. Um, she talked about the innovation that was happening, the technology, and that they were looking for a sales leader to come in and really take charge of scaling the business. Um, So coming off of working for a multi-billion dollar company where it's very easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle, it was really exciting for me, an exciting concept, just to be given that free reign to build and scale a team. And here we are five years later, uh, proud to say we've grown by more than 500%. And that's really thanks to the efforts of the, the extraordinary people that I have around me. Yeah, I know I've gotten to meet a few of your team members on the road, and they're always fantastic to interact with. I, I've met uh, some people at the Mark Conference, at the Great River Show. Um, you guys really have a, a good team over there. Um, and now you guys are data-driven, very similar to us. Um, how do you measure performance uh, among your network of appraisals? And can you speak to the relationship between data and providing accountability. I think that's so important, especially in sales and marketing, right? Is is that data drives accountability. Yeah, and, and I tell you, data and accountability, two of my favorite words, right? I, I'm a believer that data makes any decision-making better. doesn't matter if it's the AMC space, if it's a different business, even in the world of sports, data is so important these days. And what we want to do is be able to couple data with, truly extraordinary service levels. And that's how we ultimately can win loyal customers. So the question always comes up, how do you do both? And when I first joined the team here at NAN, I I mentioned a minute ago, I didn't really have any prior experience in this field. So first thing I did was I went on a roadshow. I traveled for 90 days, talking to our clients, talking to prospective clients, just asking as many questions as I could. Um, And I tell you, it it was interesting. I learned very fast that Mortgage professionals are not shy about telling you what they think about AMCs. That was definitely a wake up. Um, in fact, I'd say on the, the popularity scale, uh, AMCs probably land somewhere between like a root canal and the US Congress, right? Not exactly favorite thing. So I wanted to dig deeper though, find out what were the main frustration points? And 
the recurring themes that kept coming up were transparency, accountability, and service. Mm-hmm. And I, I sat down with Johnny and with Carrie Pinker, our, our other founding partner, and I shared with them what I was hearing. And I was really impressed because they could have said, hey, thanks, new guy, but we've been doing this for a while. We know what we're doing. And instead, they embraced the idea of change. They embraced the idea of how can we grow. And we decided to challenge ourselves that from then on, every policy, every decision, everything we do would somehow tie back to those three pillars. But the problem comes up, how can you possibly create accountability if you don't have data to really measure performance? Mm -hmm. So ultimately, we saw it as a two-pronged approach to accountability. We needed a way to hold the appraisers accountable to meet their commitments and to produce quality work, get it delivered on time, but also hold ourselves accountable. We wanted that real buck stops here mentality. And having data actually helped us do both. So we were able to establish a system of um, real-time data and analytics allows us to measure just about every KPI you can think of about an appraiser's performance. Mm -hmm. So we could see for every appraiser on our roster, more than 14,000 average turn times, on-time delivery percentage, underwriting revision percentage, how often are value disputes coming in, so many data points attached to it. And we built an algorithm that takes that data and then generates a predictive grade, basically saying, okay, for similar job types with a similar property type, loan type, this location, who's most likely to be best for the job based on the data that we have available? So that in itself already created some accountability because our appraisers, they knew that they were only getting assignments if they were performing. That's how we were deciding. We take all the subjectivity out of it. It could be our best friend who's an appraiser, but we're only going to send you work if you're performing really well. And we felt, though, that that was an important piece. But then if you have accountability, we believe that that should go hand in hand with appreciation. Both of those are really important. And we wanted to build out an incentive program for the appraisers, too. So the deal is really simple. Um, in our industry, most appraisers get paid about 30 days after completing an assignment. And at NAN, our appraisers know if they submit their work on time or early, we go ahead and pay them by direct deposit within 24 hours. So literally cash in your pocket the next day, 30 times faster than the standard, just for getting your work in on time. If you're even one day late, we're going to pay you in 30 days like everyone else. And we found that when you use that data to create accountability and you can really pair that with genuine appreciation, that's when you wind up with something special. And, and that's where we sit right now. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. And I think uh, when coming in from another industry, I did a very similar thing. You kind of have this, you know, one, you're learning the industry and you're taking in all this knowledge, but also you have these expectations from industries that, you know, I came from the service industry, you came from, you know, the home shopping network, but those industries are well established. They are really great at what they do. And especially I feel like sales is something that those industries are really, really good at, right? That expectation, creating those programs, just driving those KPIs. And I say this to people all the time. Some of the things that the mortgage industry does, you could never get away with in hospitality. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, about certain things that happen as well. Um, And you talk a lot about the processes that really define you as a company and that give your appraisers and your your lenders, honestly, a cutting edge. Um, When you're trying to figure out, you know, speed and quality of service, 
Um, how are you weighing that? You know, you mentioned a little bit of of the algorithm, but versus accuracy, that compliance and revenue growth, you know, how are you weighing those two against each other? Let me give you an answer. Maybe get me in trouble back on the home front here, but okay, perfect. First thing you have to do is take revenue growth out of the equation. And I hope my CFO is not listening. She's not going to like that answer, but seriously though, you remove revenue growth from the equation, not because it's not important, but because if you nail down the other factors, revenue growth is going to follow. So that's got to be something that that comes after you perfect the other pieces. And as an AMC, compliance is everything. That's got to be our top responsibility because lenders, brokers, appraisers, everybody involved in the transaction, they're trusting us to make sure that things are done properly according to the rules. And we want to make sure everybody avoids any kind of costly incident that could arise if, if regulations aren't followed. Um, and one of the things I love about this company, I remember when I first started here, Joni said something to me that stuck with me this whole time. She said, there's a lot of AMCs out there that are willing to kind of bend the rules to win business. And that's not us. And, and she said, I'd rather sacrifice a client than sacrifice our integrity. And that stuck with me. And I, I just love that that's a part of our company's culture because I think it's so important as part of our success. So, but again, you were, you were asking about some of the other factors. Compliance is important. It's not alone enough, though, to be successful. Um, mm -hmm. we got to be compliant, but we also need to be fast. We need to be reliable. We need to communicate. We need to be nimble. Um, so my message to the team's always been pretty simple. I, I tell them there's, there's competitors out there that might have deeper pockets than us. And, but while some may be able to outspend us, we can't ever let anyone outwork us. Our, our team members, they actually get a little red fire hat when they join the team. And the message we give is that we run to the fire, not from it. Appraisals can be messy. Um, things are sometimes going to go off the rails in our world. We believe, though, that greatness is not measured by perfection, but how we respond in the face of adversity. So, again, it comes back to that buck stops here mentality, right? Something goes wrong. We're going to go to the end of the earth to make it right for the client. Um, I'd much rather lose money on an individual order if it means that we demonstrate our commitment to service for that client. So, we take that mindset and we couple it with the data that we have available, which makes us faster. We have a proprietary quality control technology, makes us more accurate. And then you put it all together and I, I think you really wind up with something special. And I keep hearing you refer to technology and automation and all of that. And I think it's so important. And it's kind of one of the biggest buzzwords in the industry right now. I think every conference I've been to this year, and I've been to quite a few, has had continuing sessions on automation. If you ask lenders what they're looking for, the answer is automation. Um, and automation is really just a form of collaboration between two partners, along with just automating those systems. Um, how are you looking at collaboration and automation um, in the future with, with NAN and in today's honestly very difficult market for a lot of people? Yeah, great question. Um, and automation is definitely the buzzword right now. Everywhere you look is AI is how it's going to impact mm -hmm. things. And I think AI is going to be a major disruptor in our industry and in every in every aspect of life, honestly, over the next few years. Just hope that the uh, the AI machines don't take over the world too quickly. But um, when it comes to collaboration, that's so important for this business. Uh, and, and both internally and externally, I should say, for collaboration. But what I've always found really drives effective collaboration is effective communication. And what drives communication is actually the ability to listen, to listen, to learn, to empathize. 
And I try to drive that home to my team all the time because, you know, we all know what our own goals and objectives are, but if we want to achieve them, we're going to need cooperation from the people around us. And mm-hmm. those teams, they each have their own goals and their own objectives. And sometimes they might be different from ours. So if we're going to bridge that gap, I think it's it's important we try to really understand the goals from the other teams involved and not just approach it from our own perspective, but create some kind of mutually beneficial path that drives real buy-in from the people around you. You know, if, if you're able to, to create a vision that not only helps you achieve your objectives, but helps others around you also be successful, and especially in a high-stress environment like this, where it can, you know, sometimes be easier said than done, you create that culture that celebrates individuals, but not so much for their individual success, but rather for their, their ability to contribute to the team's overall success. And when you do that, I think collaboration just happens naturally. And you've talked a lot about kind of developing a team and, and all of that. What would you recommend to a leader in your position to help grow a team or help develop that culture of collaboration for leadership? I mean, it, it's it really is not a one-size-fits-all. What I always say is that as you rise as a leader, you should less and less expect people to adapt to your style and more and more be willing to adapt to the styles of the people around you. You have different personalities on your team. You have different objectives. um, And there's not a one-size-fits-all approach that's ever going to work for effective leadership. So, you know, set your ego aside for a minute and, and be willing to speak the language of the people around you and figure out what is it that motivates them? What is it that that truly defines success for them and and show that you understand that. Um, and when you do that and you bring the right people on board, you know, you've got to have the right people with the right mentality to start with. But I, all day long, I'll take somebody who's got the right attitude, who's bright, who's capable and knows nothing about the business versus somebody who's super experienced, but is a pain in the neck to work with. Um, and I think that's where it starts. And then it's just a matter of making that truly the culture around you. Yeah. I mean, you can teach skills. You can't teach culture. I think that's so important. And one of the things that, you know, we talk to as many people as we can about is DE and I. I think with, you know, as we have emerging markets and there's a lot of conversations, Namba's around and continually pushes um, you know, the next generation of home buyers. I'm personally very passionate about it as well. You guys have a Spanish speaking division, which is huge. Um, what is that? importance and what led to you guys deciding to add that Spanish speaking division to your network? Yeah, great question. You know, every once in a while you get one of these areas where you can do what's right and do what's good for the business and they overlap together. Um, And we believe, you know, one of the most important ways to build wealth in this country is to be able to buy a home. Um, And over the years, for, for a variety of reasons, there's been a clear divide in home ownership between white Americans and people of color. And you know we've seen the numbers: white Americans with about a seventy percent home ownership rate, Hispanic Americans at forty-eight percent, Black Americans at forty-one percent, and this gap is only going to further grow the wealth gap in this country. Um, and I don't think any of us want to create an environment where race or ethnicity in any way can be tied to prosperity. So mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons why we've taken a leading role addressing bias concerns within our appraisal business. Um, it's a hot topic. I mean, all the way up to the president of the United States, you'll hear about it. And at NAN, though, we call it creating equitable outcomes in the appraisal process. Because 
genuine intentional bias is really only a tiny fraction of the problem. The vast majority of appraisers are good, honest people who are trying to do their best. Um, the larger problem is unconscious bias. It's legacy practices that we've now learned disproportionately affect values in neighborhoods primarily of people of color. So we've we've created what we call our BIED committee. It's um, bias, integrity, ethics, and diversity. We've got team members from every department represented on that committee. And one of our initiatives is we're ho hosting open forum discussions um, with expert panels and just general events focused on bringing together uh, the AMCs, the appraisers, and the lenders to work toward this common goal, right? We all want to eliminate inequity from the appraisal process, mm -hmm. but each party brings a, a different perspective. So I think it's important to have the dialogue, have the conversation, because if we all get in the same room together, I think a fair starting point is that we can all agree that one instance of bias is one too many. Right? Appraisers may see a little differently than lenders, than regulators, than AMCs, but let's start with common ground and work from there. And with that in mind and with that overarching mission, you know, Hispanic home ownership is among the fastest growing segments in the country. This was an easy decision for us. I mean, again, like I said, do the right thing to help support members of the minority community and it's good for our business. You know, so we were just really happy to launch the Spanish speaking team and really excited about it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think some of our early adopters to things like the Spanish speaking divisions, having access to that, I know uh, Simple Nexus has done a good amount of work around, you know, Spanish speaking applications and having those documents available in other language. Um, we had George Baker from Documents on here talking about how you can disclose documents in different languages. And he's got, I think, six. It's crazy. Um, but those people are underserved. So the people that are going, willing to go out and reach those markets are going to see growth, I think, in, in the coming years. Um, and as we wrap up today, um, one of the things that we're really big here at Lodestar about is that, you know, a Lodestar is a guiding light. Uh, it is the the star in the sky that navigators use. Um, we like to ask people what their lodestar is. Um, you can give a work answer, a personal answer. We've seen both. Um, so what do you consider a lodestar or an inspiration in your life? Yeah, what a great question. And what a great constant reminder of your mission by having that name. We're really proud to be partners with Lodestar. Um, I'm lucky. I have I have a bunch I could choose from, uh, you know, professionally for sure. But I I think that what I would what I'd say is on a personal level, it's my dad. Uh, he's the one who taught me everything I know about business and about leadership. Um, from when I was really young, I'd listen in listen in on his phone calls, his business calls, or I'd go into the office with him, and I always observed the same the same things. I'd say there's probably three key things that stood out. One was treat everybody with respect. It didn't matter if he was talking to the CEO or the person sweeping the floors. You show genuine appreciation for the people around you um, and treat people the way you would want to be treated. And, and it was to listen more than I speak. Um, there's always subtle cues, and he taught me this was really interesting, whether it's the topic that comes up, a, a tone of voice, seeing a, a picture on the wall or a plaque on the desk. There's always going to be ways that you can learn, but you don't learn anything by talking. If you listen, you observe, then when you talk, your words are going to be much more, much more impactful. Um, and I think the third thing is really to, to humanize the experience. It's good to let your personality come through. 
you know, my dad's got a great sense of humor. He loves to add some levity to the conversation. And that, again, that humanizes you. It kind of takes people's guard down a little bit. Um, or even if it's a tough topic, right? And you, you're mm-hmm. just going to address the elephant in the room head on in a difficult conversation. People are more drawn to you when you're authentic. Um, as a message now, I try to convey to the team at NAN. Now, I say that to them all the time. I know it sounds silly, but I say, we, <laughs> we didn't hire you to be appraisal robots. If we wanted appraisal robots, we'll go call Elon Musk and ask him to build them for us, right? We hired you because of your individual skills and your personality that you bring to the table. So we want you to let that shine through. You know, don't read a script. Be yourself. Be who you are. Understand the mission. And we're all going to succeed. So, so yeah, I'd say my dad for that one, uh, for sure. I love that. Um, and as we wrap up here, Steve, is how can people reach you? Well, you can reach me just about anywhere, anyway, anytime. That's uh, <laughs> to my wife's dismay. I am a big proponent of communication. And what I tell everybody is my cell phone is a 24-7 line. Um, 99.9% of the time, then team's going to take great care of you. You won't need me. But if you're sweating about an appraisal at nine o'clock at night on a Sunday, probably a pretty good reason, right? And you don't want to mm-hmm. tell your realtor or your borrower, you know, we've got to wait till the next business day. So best way to reach me, you can call me or text me on my cell at 727-210-9152. Or of course, always reach out to me via email anytime too at ssussman at nan-amc.com. But really, I tell you, everybody on the team embodies the same spirit and loves to run to the fire. So whoever you speak with at Nan, I'm sure will take great care of you. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for joining me today and taking the time to record with us. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us as well. We hope that you have a wonderful week and we will see everyone uh, next week. Uh, So thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Lodestar's Lending Leaders Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and rate us five stars anywhere you get your podcasts. A special thank you to the Lodestar Podcast Production Team. Jim Paolino, Tim Austin, and John Gardner.